This podcast is part of the Deluxe Edition Network. To find other great shows on the network, head over to deluxeeditionnetwork.com. That's deluxeeditionnetwork.com. Podcast making, public transit taking, kiss stealing, wheeling, dealing, son of a gun, Tim the Nerd, welcoming you to another episode of Friends Talking Nerdy, part of the Deluxe Edition Network. Head to deluxeeditionnetwork.com to find out more information about all the lovely shows on the den. Sitting next to me, we have the greatest legal mind in the Pacific Northwest, someone who I assume within the next couple of weeks is going to be wrapping up classes for uh, the semester and is extremely happy about that. Professor Aubrey, how you doing? <laughs> yes, so it's a particularly stressful time. Oh, holiday time. <laughs> Um, it's stressful because it's the end of the term, so I have lots of grading to do, and there's just lots going on in my world at work. Lots of stuff, yeah, but um, one thing that you've been doing a lot recently is re-watching The Orville on Disney+. Plus. It is my spirit show. It is my calling show. It is my watch it every night going to sleep show. What is it about that show that brings you such comfort? Because it has to be like the TV version of a warm blanket. Exactly. It's the TV version of a warm blanket. I found it really interesting when I first watched it. And I didn't understand it all. It it invited me to rewatch it because I didn't really understand everything that had happened in every episode. And so I rewatched it. And every time I rewatched it to try to understand more of what was going on, I got to know the characters more and I really liked the characters. And so now it's just something that I know I enjoy and I don't have to accidentally happen upon something that's going to bother me. <laughs> yeah, um, which is interesting, and, and we'll get there. I also know that, you know, during my t our time together in each other's lives, I've not seen you be too interested in Star Trek. I think it's one of those deals that if it's on, you have no problem watching it, but I've never seen you really seek out Star Trek and the Orville is, you know, openly Seth MacFarlane's take on the Star Trek mythos. He does different things with it, of course. Um, but, you know, the one of the uh, producers on the Orville, Brandon Braga, um, got his start on Star Trek The Next Generation. A lot of the directors for the show were people um, directly involved in Star Trek, including Jonathan Frakes. Oh, yeah. Uh -huh. um, and, you know, a number of Star Trek veterans have made guest appearances on that show. But you've never, from what I can tell, have been that big of a Star Trek fan. What, it, what is it about the Orville that is so different, that appeals to you, that doesn't happen in Star Trek? Okay, listen. 
Okay. I'm not an original Star Trek fan, and I've never been. Hmm. I neither have I held myself out to be one. Just to be clear, yeah, um, and that's okay. I was really into Next Generation when I was in college, and after college, basically the '90s. I was really into it in the '90s, and uh, like many things, I was into in the '90s. I don't need to re-experience them. <laughs> Like women, no. <laughs> um, I, I I get that. I mean, the, the Star Trek is one of the shows that, even though I've seen every episode from most every part of that franchise ever, I could still go back and watch them. You know, it's my Orville. Let's say. Mm-hmm. Um, but I have overall, though. I you know, I I got nothing but I have nothing but love for the Orville, even though. Season three was kind of the weakest. Well, I didn't think so. I think that season, I think the storyline of Isaac, the artificial intelligence being, is the most compelling of the storylines. And so a lot of that happens in the third season. And I get that. I, you know, I, I just felt that there was a lot of, we're going to trust him. We're not going to trust him. We're going to trust him again. And I, kind of the same thing with uh, the various alliances that, you know, the, whatever they call it, the their version of the Federation make with other people. And it's just like, we're friends with them. Now they're our enemies. Now they're our friends again, because we need them. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, I, you know, I, I did have some critiques there, but overall I would say it's probably one of my favorite Seth MacFarlane things. Uh, entertainment ventures, let's put it out there. But I was curious what your reaction would be by showing you some of the other things that Seth MacFarlane has done. And like I showed you the trailer to Ted. Um, I think we attempted to watch the movie at one point, but by the time you saw Nora Jones, you know, she might as well have been a Mormon. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Well. And then, of course, I showed you Family Guy. Family Guy, like you mentioned with the Orville, it's the type of entertainment that you enjoy. You are not the type to enjoy Don Rickles' type of comedy. No. I never liked Don Rickles, ever. I thought, what a stupid asshole. (laughs) And I think he was one of the funniest comedians ever. (laughs) I mean, it's very akin to the Spirit the Insult comic. He's one of the original Insult comics, one of the best. I mean, there was a Norm MacDonald movie in the 90s that didn't do well, but, um, you know, I enjoyed it for what it was. And Don Rickles had a part in there. And, like, at the end of the movie, they had bloopers, but, like, most of the bloopers were just Don Rickles just tearing into, you know, the cast members (laughs) and everybody just breaking up laughing. But um, I, I can see to where, like, your reaction was like, oh, my God. The guy who made the programming that I have fallen in love with and welcomed into my memory of entertainment beings as family created that. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, It's confusing. It's confusing to me. Yeah. I mean, I don't find any of the jokes. I mean, I think that Orville is funny, really funny. mm -hmm. And I don't think Family Guy is funny at all so i think i don't know maybe he matured 
and needed to spread his wings in other endeavors that allowed him to flex his other muscles. Oh, there's definitely that. I mean, he's not been involved creatively in Family Guy for years. Um, you know, he's passed on the creative in terms of writing episodes, uh, you know, for the show, like over a decade ago. So, yeah, he has moved on from that type of stuff, but also still keeps his toe in it with the whole Ted franchise. Like, uh, there's on the cock, there's going to be a new prequel show of Ted, the teddy bear. And I did show you the Thunder Buddy song, <laughs> you know, from uh, that was in the Red Band trailer for the original movie. You don't remember it? Mm. It's where the teddy bear like runs into the room and there's like thunder outside. And he's like, ah, and they get up on the bed. Thunder buddies for life. When you hear the sound of thunder, don't you get too scared? Just grab your thunder buddy and say these magic words. Fuck you, thunder. You can suck my dick. You can't make me scared because you just got sports. <laughs> okay, over now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, the Ted stuff looks pretty funny to me. I'm going to check it out. Uh, well, yeah. I mean, because that's probably at this point going to be the closest we'll get to an Orville season four, sadly. Oh, no. Yeah. Have um, you heard that for certain? I, yeah. I I, I have not heard a 100% definitive it is not happening, but I've not heard anything about, you know, like pre-production meetings being in place or, or anything like that. It has been, um, cause like season three, I think came out during the pandemic in 2020. So we're going on four years now. Yeah. And it is not impossible. I think more and more, you know, American television is kind of catching the good parts of what British television can do. Um, what do I mean by that? You know, th they don't have continuing seasons, you know, ever, ever. They call them series one and series two because series one is its own self-contained story. Like there are two series of Faulty Towers. They were not put together like a traditional American sitcom. You know, it's it's just after season series one, that was it. And then the BBC went back to John Cleese and, you know, said, can you write another series for us? And then, you know, brought it back. So it was kind of like a seek. They treat it like a sequel. Mm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. You know, so, uh, you know, I hope I'm going to check out the episode. I mean, Penny Johnson, Gerald, uh, Dr. Claire uh, from the Oroville. She plays Ted's principal. Mm. On the show, the guy who plays um, uh, Seth MacFarlane's best friend, the red-haired guy, um, he's going to play uh, the father of Ted's, you know, human friend. So he's going to be on the show as well. Oh, great. Yeah. So, it, it, yeah, I, I overall, I just thought it was interesting seeing your reaction. Um, because, th yeah, I mean, he has kind of done a lot. He's told, he's not, you know, he could have easily kept on doing Family Guy type of stuff to this day and would have, you know, been almost a billionaire. Right. You know, but he chose to do some different things. Like, also, let's let's not forget his involvement with Cosmos. He was the, the person directly responsible for getting the reboot of Cosmos with Neil deGrasse Tyson on Fox and not the National Geographic Channel. Nice. You know, so he, you know, used his name power to put out something special and something important that I think more people in this country need to hear. Science! Yeah. I mean, the thing about that is that it really probably sparked his interest 
in sci-fi if he hadn't been interested before, but I imagine, and I don't know, I haven't heard in an interview, but I imagine he grew up liking sci-fi. He was a huge Star Trek fan, and also with Cosmos, Cosmos came before the Orville. Yeah. Um, some of the people that, you know, went on to the Orville, like Brandon Braga, mm-hmm. helped him with Cosmos as well. Oh, nice. Yeah, um, so it was kind of like his foot in the door to for sci-fi and yeah i'm i'm glad with the orville most especially that the humor got better it's like the first season the first half of the season felt like that they felt that they had to put in jokes everywhere when they didn't really need to do that yeah and i think by the second season they got into a really good groove where funny things would happen and you would have a good time and laugh but it didn't take away from the drama that, you know, they would experience as well. Right. It's sort of like the pea corner. I don't know if people are as familiar with the show as I am, but probably not. Okay. Alternative in, or uh, artificial intelligence beings have invaded the Orville and they've taken over control of the spaceship and they've put everyone into the shuttle bay where they can threaten to open it up, open the airlock, sucking all of the crew into the... Vast reaches of space. Vast reaches of space, and to to their immediate deaths. During that experience, one of the funny characters, um, whose name escapes me at the moment, which is pretty funny, Malloy was his last name, Oh, the red-haired guy? Yeah, the red-haired guy. Yeah, yeah. He comes over, and they say, where have you been? And he says, the pea corner. And they were like, well, where's the pea corner? And he said, it's over there in the corner. We had to have some area where people would go pee, and that's where we decided. And it's that kind of humor that's like, in reality, maybe something like that would be going on. Like, what would happen if you were stuck in a room with a bunch of people for a long, you know, a long time? You'd probably come up with the pea corner. And that's what makes the the show good for good, you know, to me. I I do hope. Please don't get me wrong. I hope that somewhere down the line we do see another season of the Orville because you know, I because they've told the episodes pretty much episodically and not had a whole season long story arc. I think this is the type of show that could just come back, you know, for another season and, um, or a special, like, you know, six episode, you know, finale or something like that to where, um, again, episodic to where it doesn't tell one big, huge story that you have to watch everything for, but, um, it could easily come back. I, I hope it does. I hope it does. It, it, it was well-written. I do have some, you know, critiques, but that's just me. I'm a critiquing guy. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, speaking of critiques, we have some folks in social media land who have a lot of time on their hands. Is that right? Yes, yes. It all involves the new Doctor Who specials. Mm-hmm. Yes, uh, it involves the first one, um, which is a takeoff on an old Marvel comic um, that because Marvel in had a British uh, British subsidiary. And they published Doctor Who comics. 
in the eighties. And like one of the guy, one of the artists on that comic was actually also the artist on the Watchmen comics, one of the most important, um, you know, graphic novels ever made. So quality wise, good stuff. But, um, it was a retelling of that story to where you have this cute alien being chased by these disgusting looking creatures only to find out that the disgusting creatures want to stop the cute alien from destroying the world. <laughs> you know, the cute alien is a, a prisoner or, or whatnot. Uh, beep the meep. Mm-hmm. You know, and you saw uh, the little 28-second clip in question that people have gotten upset about. And you saw how cute the little alien was, mm-hmm. right? Super cute alien. Yes. And the controversy was this the doctor started talking about you know what do we call him and then uh, another character who um who it was revealed uh in the show was non-binary uh said why do you assume it's a he and the doctor says you know what you're right what is your pronoun that got people upset right i i am sure and i'm sure it got a lot of british people upset because as as anti-trans in fact, as we are in the United States, they are rhetorically very anti-trans in Britain, but less actually legally restrictive compared well, to the United States. Do you have J.K. Rowling after all <laughs> over there? Yeah, exactly. And Ricky Gervais and any number of other people. Yeah. It, John Cleese, I believe. And he's coming to town for his last comedy special in Portland next year. <laughs> I know. I saw that. And I was like, dude. Anyway, that moment of regret. <laughs> but to me, this annoyed me because yet again, we have lazy people in the media seeing something on social media where people are complaining and then writing articles about it, causing more people to get upset, probably in the reverse. Like why the hell are these people upset and causing these problems ultimately all for nothing. You know, like I, I told you uh, before, and I've talked about Dr. Who on, on the show, the guy who's currently running the show came back to the show recently, Russell T Davies. He was the man responsible for bringing the show back in 2005, uh, quite successfully. Um, he is also the creator of the British version of Queer as Folk. Right. Um, you know, I think at the time it might have been one of the first uh, LGBTQ shows in Britain, and it definitely uh, inspired uh, networks in America. I mean, I think it was Showtime that did an American version of Queer as Folk. Yes. And then you had the L word and stuff like yes, that. Yes, there was a whole renaissance of gay, lesbian things. Yeah, all thanks to the guy who's running Doctor Who. So it... It, it boggles my, it, like, I seriously strongly think that the the people that are being mentioned as saying, oh, I don't want to watch Woke Doctor Who, are just bots. I don't think they're even people who would watch Doctor Who. It's, people love getting upset just to be upset. I mean, it's like, it's like progressives getting upset over the actions of a Republican politician. You know, how often do progressives take the time to really study the actions of a politician apart from what they hear on the news? Yeah. You know, that's not to say that, you know, Republican politicians are all shiny and nice and good folks. But what I'm saying is that a lot of times people are yelling and screaming uh, about stuff that 
is just not true. There may be the actual things to legitimately critique about, but you know, suddenly it's the show is being woke when the guy who's who's the head of the show now has a long history of being an ally to the LGBTQ community. Yeah. Like come on come on this is just manufactured trying to get people to get upset simply so so the websites in question that publish these articles that talk about it or the podcasts that talk about it uh, can have more people (laughs) joining in and listening i mean i'm not are you trying to say that we are baiting an audience by talking about this no, I mean because I, you know, I would be willing to sell out in that way if it would result in more listeners. <laughs> I'm just gonna put that out there. We're gonna sell out, baby. If anybody wants to buy us, we are available. Yeah, next week's episode sponsored by the Catholic Church. <laughs> <laughs> sponsored by the Mormons. Yeah. <laughs> Here's Professor Aubrey for Salt Lake City. (laughs) (laughs) I want to go to the Mormon Tabernacle Choir. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, you know, it's a well-respected choir, despite being Mormon. Yeah, and let's go to Branson and see the Osmonds, too. No, let's not. But we are not bringing up this topic to... uh, What I don't like... Our like websites, our podcasts, our YouTube channels that create content that they ultimately really don't believe in. What do I mean by that? A lot of times you'll have like people that are that don't like the direction that Star Wars is going. Don't put out videos of I just don't care for this. I don't care for this. They come out with like Kathleen Kennedy is the worst human being alive for destroying Star Wars, and it's just like stop. They're doing that because anger, unfortunately, does sell. It it does sell. And we're not coming at this from a source of anger. It's befuddlement for me because, I mean, you saw the scene. You saw the scene. And it, it was done in the absolute right way. The doctor was corrected and the doctor said, oh, yeah, der, I'm sorry. What is your pronoun? He did the absolute right thing, and it wasn't, uh, they didn't spend 20 minutes, you know, talking about the importance of it either. It's just, you you put your foot in your mouth and someone calls you out on it, you do what the doctor did. Say, sorry, go on. You know, it's it, that was actually a good, good scene, in my opinion. Oh, yeah, I I think it was an excellent scene. I was glad to see it. And I think, you know, the more that we can normalize the idea of you need to ask someone what their pronouns are before you assume, or you can call them they, which is sort of a way to address someone if you don't know what their gender preference or identification is. I think he did the exact right thing mm. in the scene, too, and... I'm very concerned that people would be upset about it. Like those are the same people that are upset that trans people exist. So like, fuck those people. Yeah. And like they're, and and they're not watching doctor who. Yeah. I mean, for point of fact, I, I believe this number refers to just the United States, but it could be worldwide for all I know. Um, but I believe that there are only a little over a million and a half people that openly are trans. Yeah. In the United States. 
not it's, as this is a country of 300 plus million people yeah it is the smallest of smallest minorities one of i shouldn't say that so definitively it's one of the smallest of the minorities out there and because they have politicians that are you know using uh the the idea of tr of trans as as a wedge to keep people voting for them you know unfortunately they have a lot of people that are looking to harm them yeah you know and every little bit to where to your point yeah you just normalize something as simple as being okay with oh man i'm sorry i put my foot in my mouth what are your pronouns being nice and respectful like that i i i welcome that and that is one that's not okay you should have kicked him in the balls and called him a sissy boy tied him to a fence post and beat the shit out of him and then give him some Marlboros. <laughs> you know, like it's not not happening. It is happening around the globe. Even though they're the smallest minority, they are one of the most at risk mm -hmm. for almost every kind of assault, sexual assault, murder. And think about all the instances you hear of a trans person that, you know, got on the wrong end of the law, but then get misgendered in, in jail or prison. And then that leads to them getting beat up or even murdered. Yeah. This reaction just made me mad. It befuddled me because, you know, I, I, I would have joined the critics again if we were talking about they had 20 minutes of the doctor talking about why it was important to do that. You know, you don't need to be preached to. You just need to be showed in entertainment just how life can be you know? and I, I i think they did it beautifully they did do it beautifully yeah totally yep well how about we send it to one of our friends at the deluxe edition network to let our audience know about their wonderful show that sounds awesome let's do that right away tim all right take it away Hello, we are a podcasting couple. I'm Brad. And I'm Denise. And if you're into true crime, paranormal activities, aliens, disappearances, or anything that's weird or unexplained, then let us assure you, you don't have to look any further. We have all that, plus much more. We release an episode every Tuesday morning for your listening pleasure. So join us at World's True Crime Podcast and download our episodes on all your major streaming platforms. And remember, the world is not always as it seems. No, it's not. past few weeks on the show here we've talked about the stressors of the holidays and the holidays have a lot of stress associated with it that is just a fact whether um, you're someone that celebrates it as vividly as me or someone that really enjoys it there is stress that comes along but I think one thing, you know, when it comes to talking about mental health type of topics, especially in stressful times of years, is kind of see if there's a way to kind of readjust your thinking to kind of turn that frown upside down, for lack of a better term. Find a way to look for the bright spots in a stressful situation so you can, you know, take a step back and look at your situation more logically and not the passion of the stress of the moment, you know? Yeah. 
So what we did, we went back to our friends at Psychology Today. They are a great resource with great articles out there, folks. Um, Peer-reviewed as well. Um, so I, I definitely do like that fact, um, you know, when we're talking about it. It's just not some dumbass on a blog at home, <laughs> you know, right, writing. Uh, right. We're writing about stuff here. Yeah. But, um, we found an article that we wanted to discuss here called Can You Achieve Holiday Bliss? The author in question, um, I don't want to attempt to mispronounce that name. Um, if you go to the show description, you'll see a link for the article, um, and I will type out the author's name uh, when you know in the show description uh, there. But um, the article, can you achieve holiday bliss? And what we, um, I thought we would do is go through the bullet points here read the list, and then give our thoughts on what the good doctor has to say. Sounds great. Now, before we dive in, like, what are ways that, because you are a lot more active on holiday season than I am, mm -hmm. what are some ways that you've used for yourself to kind of de-escalate some of that stress? Oh, my gosh. Um, I do find it stressful. I do like it. But I wish, you know, that I could do some of the things in the article, actually, to deal with my stress around the holidays. And make it, make it better? Make it better, yeah. I mean, I did have the experience over Thanksgiving of needing to cook rolls mm -hmm. for the Thanksgiving celebration. And I had purchased all the supplies for that and woke up on the morning that I needed to start the rolls at like seven for them to be ready in time and got up at seven and could not find the yeast and you can't make bread without yeast. So mm -hmm. the store across the street doesn't open until nine o'clock. I, I guess I didn't want to get in the car and drive to the grocery store to get more yeast. And I mostly was just got really frustrated that I had everything planned out, but this thing was not going according to plan. And that's what usually happens because I'll have things that I want to do. Like I want to do treats for people and I want to have parties and I want to go to parties and I want to, you know, spend time with different people. And it just becomes overwhelming. Well, then let's dive into the list here and talk about some ways that we can kind of retune our brain to kind of work better during the holidays. Did you want to start off with number one? Sure, I totally will. Okay. Okay, number one. Celebrate your individuality. Navigating holiday joy for introverts and extroverts. One of the keys to a joyful holiday season is recognizing and honoring your personality type. Are you an introvert or an extrovert? Knowing this can help you tailor your holiday activities to suit your needs. Introverts tend to recharge by spending time alone or in small, intimate gatherings. For introverts, the holiday season can be overwhelming with its parties and social gatherings. It's essential to carve out some alone time during the holidays to recharge your energy. Consider indulging in a quiet evening at home with a good book or a favorite movie. On the other hand, extroverts thrive on social interaction and may find joy in attending parties and events. However, it's crucial for extroverts to balance their social commitments with some self-care time. 
allocate moments of rest and rejuvenation so that you can fully enjoy the gatherings you attend. Try this. Communicate openly with your loved ones about your needs during the holiday season. They will likely appreciate your honesty, and it can help reduce any feelings of obligation. Now, I have, I have tried, so that's the end of the article part, and this is me now talking about that. There have been times when I have communicated openly about my needs around the holidays, and it's always been positive when I've done that. I think a lot of not wanting to express our needs during the holidays has to do with expectation and social expectation that we're going to have a perfect holiday. And certainly any children in our lives are going to have the best holiday ever. And it's going to snow and be beautiful and listen to Christmas carols and everybody's just happy and having eggnog and Mostly the holidays are just boring. Yeah, I mean, it's one reason I, I mean, I, I, I've said it before and I'll say it again. I'm a part of the introvert class here and, you, you know, large gatherings just don't work for me at all. There was a point in time when I was much younger as a kid, you know, like I, uh, I think it was last week when we mentioned that, um, of, you know, being able to, you know, be more extroverted, you know, as a kid, but I think all kids, you know, have that, you know, especially in their earlier years, the, the, you know, sixth grade and beyond, then you start to get a little moody. You know? uh, right. But, um, you are right, though. It is important to be able to express to people, hey, I need a bit of a break. Because in, in, in you should be, I don't know if suspicious is necessarily the right word, but take it as a bit of a red flag when you do have somebody that kind of puts up a, you know, puts up a fuss when you do try to say, hey, I'm, you know, I don't think I can do, you know, like cook this is just an example. I don't think I can cook, you know, like biscuits for five different people. You know, I can only make biscuits for three different people. So Aunt Sally, I can't make biscuits. And if Aunt Sally starts yelling at you, that's a problem. Yeah. You know, um, I think a lot of it, to your point, especially around the holidays, does come to social expectations because for centuries, people were just told that this is family. This is what you do. You do it. And more and more people are realizing the importance of saying no. You know, fam blood family is great when you can get along with them, when they're important members of your life. But that's not the only type of family out there. No, there's lots of different kinds of family out there. Mm. And um, whether it's just a blended family where you have divorced parents and different permutations of relationships between four people and the children. Right. Mm. So there's like endless permutations of relationships that are involved in blended families. Um, and then you have just completely alternative family structures where maybe you're not even related to them, but they're part of your family. Um, or you have a whole group of friends, all of which act as a family for everybody in the group. Um, those are two really common ways, I think. Yeah, I mean, ultimately, 
ultimately you want to have people in your life that won't give you grief if you do say, hey, I need a bit of a bit of a break. You know, you should be able to tell a friend of yours that, you know, hey, just like I'm I feel like I need to veg out on the couch playing video games all day today. I need that. And if the friend gives you grief, um, unless the grief is deserved, I mean, it's like, I'm not saying, you know, you intentionally go out to make plans to cancel them. But, you know, if someone is coming to you and saying, would you please cook these biscuits for me? And you say no, their response should be okay. Which it would be. What I'm learning, you know, all the time is that when you express your needs to people, they're actually responsive to them. And... They wouldn't, nobody's going to say to you, like, oh, my God, I can't believe you're not going to make the biscuits. Or talk about you behind your back because, like, you didn't make the biscuits. Like, that's ridiculous, right? Yeah. And it's true for every situation. Unless you have assaulted someone or in some way been a danger to the community, in which case you should be excluded. Otherwise... You know, these people should be as inclusive as possible with who they who they share their holiday joy with, I think. They should. They should. Speaking of that, shall I go on to number two? Certainly. All right. Rediscover holiday magic. Prioritize what matters most. The holiday season often brings a long list of obligations, parties to attend, gifts to buy, and traditions to uphold. It's easy to get caught up in the have-to mentality. However, to truly enjoy this time of year, shift your mindset toward doing things because you generally want to. Start by communicating openly with your family and friends about your holiday priorities. Express your desire to create meaningful experiences rather than simply checking items off a to-do list. This open dialogue can lead to more enjoyable and intentional celebrations. Consider setting boundaries and saying no when necessary. It's okay to decline invitations or reduce your commitments if it means preserving your well-being. Prioritize what truly brings you joy will make the holiday season more fulfilling. Try this. Create a list of the holiday activities and traditions that generally bring you happiness. Focus your energy on these and let go of the rest. That's a good idea there. Oh, gosh, yeah. Yeah, because there are so many things that you can do through the holidays. And most importantly, holidays do come every year. Just because you don't do a certain activity one year that you do like doesn't mean you'll never do it again. You know, so maybe one year you can say, you know, I want to have, you know, a private holiday at home with, you know, my own family. You know, because think, you know, because I... When I was a young father with very young kids, the idea of bringing those three human beings out in the world at times, you know, was just like, I'd rather be home. We can control things here. Right. Not knocking them, of course. Kids are kids, uh, you know. Um, and, and right. But it is a big production. Sort of get them ready to go out to a holiday thing. All three of them, like, not covered in food or whatever. And then get to the place and then be in the place and then have to come back from the place and people are you know tired and hangry and all the things and like you've seen me with the cats imagine me with kids like don't touch that don't touch that don't touch that (laughs) ultimately yeah it you know having an idea of what works for you during the holidays and working towards you know checking off that list instead of checking off aunt edna's list of you know what works in the holidays i think 
is important. And I do think more and more like, yeah, you should kind of take the lead. Like if, especially in a family situation, like you don't necessarily have to go to other people's houses. It may be better, especially with younger kids to start off in a home situation. And then once they're like in grade school, then, you know, bring them out to a family gathering because like, uh, you know, especially for the young ones, like when you've got a whole bunch of young kids together, for some reason, it's like their brains decide to get extra wild. Oh Yeah. You know, they're all super excited and everything. So it's prioritizing what matters most can make you continue to appreciate the holidays, even during the most stressful times. Yes. Yes. It can. You know, I think skipping the things that you're not into and investing in the things that you are into generally any time of the year is going to make you a happier person. And certainly at the holidays, it's going to make you a happier, you know, participant in the holiday festivities, mm-hmm. whichever ones you choose to engage in. Which kind of ties into number three. So why don't you dive in? Yes. Yeah, so number three is embrace holiday adaptability. Open your heart to new traditions. Traditions hold a special place in our hearts during the holiday season. However, clinging too tightly to traditions can lead to stress and disappointment especially if circumstances prevent you from following them precisely. This year, try adopting a more open-minded outlook towards traditions. Embrace the idea that traditions can evolve and adapt over time. Maybe you can't gather with your entire extended family, but you can still create new traditions or find alternative ways to connect virtually. Flexibility also means being open to the traditions of others. Respect and appreciate the diversity of customs and celebrations during the holidays. Learning about and participating in different traditions can broaden your horizons and enrich your holiday experience. Try this. Create a tradition jar where family members can suggest new traditions or activities for the holiday season. It's a fun way to incorporate fresh ideas into your celebration. Fresh with a PH. Seriously. So I think this try this is try again. My family would never do something like that. The thing about the holidays with my family was to act like you hated them. And then on the day of enjoy them. But then complain about how terrible they were. You know, it's like this pattern of dread, enjoyment, continuing dread for the next year. I've seen it in action, yes. (laughs) (laughs) And so that's what I do, basically. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's just like everything where I'm, when I look back on things, I'm like, oh, that was so fun. So a year goes by and I'm like, oh, yeah, I want to make five different candies to go in 25 boxes of holiday joy. And then at three o'clock in the morning, you're like, what the fuck was I thinking? Yeah, or like, I have other shit to do. I can't just bake every day between now and Christmas. Yeah, the tradition jar thing just smacks of being too cute, you know? Yeah, like, maybe if your family was, like, like that, that would work, but... I mean, I know a family in New Hampshire who would probably, you know, (laughs) really go for something like that. It's just not me. Like, I... Yeah, like, I've not... 
I, I think it is important, yeah, to accept adaptability. And I did appreciate, too, that they did talk about um, appreciating the fact that other people in your life may celebrate the holidays differently. Like, um, I'm sure in Grand Rapids, Michigan, there, there were Jewish people. I never met somebody who was outwardly Jewish until I got to Portland. And then, you know, from there, it was interesting hearing about, you know, what, what they do during Hanukkah. <laughs> you know, a little more in depth than, you know, what I saw on like South Park or something. Right. And that's a little facetious, but not by much, you know, but still getting the chance to, you know, not necessarily go to like their temple or, you know, celebrate or anything like that, but just hearing them talk about, you know, their traditions, you know, their traditions and everything they do, uh, you know, was fascinating. I like that. Yeah. Okay. And I, I think, yeah, being open to the traditions of others is a great way to put yourself in other people's shoes. Absolutely. And not enough people do that. And sort of have that cultural humility that allows you to accept other people's traditions as valid. Yeah, I, I know us white males, we have not had a good history of doing that. <laughs> and I no. I I want to do my part in helping helping break that. So I I, I you know I, I welcome the spirit of the tradition jar because it it is a tool I guess to help you know keep the conversation going. Yeah, but, but love the idea of making your own traditions though. Um, you know what was important about traditions growing up was that they helped us experience special you know days yeah i mean you did different thing I mean, it was you, out of the ordinary yeah i mean your, your mother's not gonna bake a turkey in you know july right well maybe for you know what I but mean, you though. might have ice cream on the fourth of july or something yeah right? you're gonna have a little tradition for every holiday probably but as i've been you know on my own to some extent i have created my own holiday traditions that things that I like to do during the holiday season and maybe other people don't like to do in my family or in my friend group. Me? Chronic masturbation all the way. No. <laughs> I can't believe you just admitted that on this show. Yeah, yeah. The 12 comes at Christmas anyway. <laughs> you are so gross right now. <laughs> Thank goodness for editing, right? <laughs> my sister's probably vomiting right now. Like, yes. <laughs> what's that bit of uh there's a, there's a gif of a clip from the simpsons where like homer grabs a bottle of bleach and he's pouring it in his eyes. yeah it's that kind of moment yep yep so with that awkwardness in the, in the room already shall i go on with number four yes please all right the last bullet point find serenity and imperfection letting go of holiday stress Many of us strive for the perfect holiday season, complete with flawless decorations, gourmet meals, and harmonious family gatherings. While aiming for excellence is admirable, perfectionism can lead to unnecessary stress and disappointment. This holiday season, challenge your inner perfectionist by embracing imperfections. Understand that mishaps and unexpected moments are part of life's beauty. If the turkey gets a bit overcooked or the tree ornaments are not perfectly aligned, it's okay. Instead of obsessing over perfection, focus on the joy of the present moment. Engage in activities that make you smile, whether it's playing board games with loved ones or taking a brisk winter walk. Try this. Practice mindfulness and gratitude to stay grounded in the present. It can help you appreciate the imperfect yet beautiful, beautiful moments of the holiday season. 
and this kind of aligns with what I talked about, um, you know, I think it was last week's episode as we record this, when I talked about how I've been changing, how I've been interacting with the cats, mm. you know, and like the, I have had to let go of my anxiety of them doing something I didn't want to do. Um, it is okay for me when I'm playing a video game or watching a movie to tell the cat to get down or, you know, get up and put them down from the TV, but, you know, yelling at them wouldn't solve anything and they're cats, <laughs> you know, they're just going to do their thing. And, you know, it's going to be the same with the holidays as well. I mean, like you will have food that doesn't come out right. You will have people come over that will be annoying and will spill like a red drink on your white carpet. You will have people break something that they shouldn't have touched. It's the holidays, especially when you get a large group of people together in, in one small area. Imperfection is going to happen. It's just part of life. And I think, yeah, t doing your best to not let the actions that you have no control over you get you upset mm -hmm. if you can keep that kind of tamed and just be able to take a deep breath you will survive the holiday so much better than you would by you know getting upset over every little thing yeah you really will you know some of the things it's like really people are getting upset their their ornaments are not straight on their tree like i just can't even conceive well i i can sort of see that i mean because anxiety causes you know sort of perfection in me uh what do i mean by that mm. like i if i am super anxious and then something slightly goes askew that is out of what my brain thinks is normal i will get jittery i would get you know nervous and upset and try and fix it or you know just get really upset too you know the, you know full disclosure and you know again if you can't control it why get upset about it easier said than done easier said than done i'll be the first to admit that but the more you can find ways to let the stress of situations that you have absolutely no control over not if you can work at not having them affect you even just 25 percent less than what they normally would again you're going to be in a better spot oh gosh yeah yeah, it does take time and, you know, over the years I've gotten good at it, much better than I have been in the past, but it's something that will always, it will always be something I will have to work on. Yeah, I mean, we all have things like that. I mean, mine is more of like sorrowfulness around the holidays probably than an anxiety. Mm. Why would you say sorrow? It just chokes me up, the holidays. It always has, like... Mm. The tenderness, the the terrible things that happen to people, like the gift of the Magi. Mm. What the fuck kind of story is that? It's awful. You know, there are all these awful stories around the holidays about like things almost going awry or somebody almost jumping off a bridge or somebody being poverty stricken and then winning a golden ticket or, you know, there's just like dark, dark stuff. Society loves to 
showcase stories like that at certain times a year. I mean, it seems like the news media most of all will have, you know, the story of like the single parent household um, to where it's, it's like a mother and five kids and she's living in a small apartment and the apartment burns down <laughs> and then the neighborhood gets together and buys them Christmas gifts. And it's just like, it's great that they got gifts, but their fucking house burned down, you know? Yeah. Like what are they supposed to do? Where are they living? What's going on? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, there's always tragic shit that happens around the holidays, it's true. More than anything, folks, the reason we've uh, brought up these topics here the past few weeks is that we hope that by taking some time to just let this simmer in your own brain can potentially have it pop up and help you out in in a, a potentially stressful situation during these holiday times you know if it takes me just rambling like i have to make you think hey, yeah maybe i should just be cool and take a deep breath then we've done our job absolutely so take care of yourselves during this season and make sure that you have time to yourself even if you're an extrovert yes take time for yourself and listen to friends talking nerdy yes i mean what what better could you do in during a boring holiday it's better than sex folks it's better than sex <laughs> oh my god you're ridiculous <laughs> next week we're gonna have a fun episode um next week is christmas day Mm. And so what the professor and I are going to do, since we are both subscribed to Apple Music and not Spotify, we are going to be talking about our top five musical artists of the year. Instead of going by our five favorite songs, um, and the reason we're not doing that is that uh, the professor spent most of the time listening to one of my playlists. So um, the, her, her list was kind of skewed in a way that she felt was not representative of her year. So she thought um, going going at the top five artists would be much better. Yeah, I just thought it would be more representative, like you said, of what I listened to throughout the year. Like some of them were like things that like pop up on my phone every day. Mm -hmm. And so it says, oh, that you played that song every day. And I'm like, yeah, but I didn't mean to. I didn't want to. Yeah, fuck that Billy Bragg. <laughs> <laughs> But um, that will be a fun conversation. Then the week after that will be the first episode of Friends Talking Nerdy in 2024. Oh my gosh, we've made it to 2024. Yes, uh, it'll, it's, wow, seven years. Wow. I can't believe that. That is amazing and insane that we've gotten to this point where we're getting close to double digits in years, not episode numbers. Yeah, it's amazing. Mm-hmm. Well, we hope more than anything that your time this year during the holidays is going to go as well as it can. Do you have any final words for the good folks at home? You know, nothing other than, you know, stay warm and cozy and try to enjoy your holiday. And don't be a chronic masturbator. <laughs> Tim says, don't be like me. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, each Monday. We'll have something in this podcast base to entertain your ear holes. Until we meet again, we bid you adieu. Good night. Subscribe to Friends Talking Nerdy on iTunes, the Google Play Music Store, as well as Spotify. Remember to support Friends Talking Nerdy on Patreon. Goodbye, darling. <laughs>